Hey moms, are you a tired mom? Do you feel swallowed up in the endlessness of motherhood? Dishes, laundry, kids fighting, planning activities, making meals, cleaning up messes, wiping bums, teaching your children to just be decent human beings? This is a mom search for meaning, where I'll dive into topics like if you've ever plotted your own demise, you're not alone. Motherhood is a shit show full of ups and downs and pressures and expectations and judgment from all around. It's no wonder you're depressed and feel like you're failing. This podcast is for you moms who are stuck in this gap of wanting to be like other incredible moms who limit screen time, feed their kids healthy foods, and have an organized schedule, but you can't seem to get out of bed. It's all a little too much, and you'd rather hide under the covers just a little bit longer. We'll discuss how you're not alone, interview moms who have picked themselves up off the floor, and have some good laughs along the way. Welcome to A Mom's Search for Meaning. I'm Erica York, and I'm your host. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, today I'm with Erin and Kyra, my friends, and Kyra has a really amazing story. Um, her journey to motherhood is really, really inspiring. So I wanted her to take some time and share her story with you, because I'm sure... Many of you will want to hear it and be inspired. Right now, you have three children, two boys and a girl, and their ages are? Uh, Five, four, and three. (laughs) Five, four, and three. So they're all really, really close in age. Yeah. So tell us, uh, when did you receive them? Uh, Do you want to start at the very beginning? (laughs) Probably will be easier. Okay. So we'll start at the very beginning before these three children. Yeah. So... Kyra and her husband got married how many years ago? Um, almost 10 um, in August. will be 10 years married. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then did you try to get pregnant right away? I, I was very eager to become a mom. Yeah, before I met my husband, I was in college. Um, and <laughs> I was one of those kids that wanted to be everything in life between pilot and teacher. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be everything. You wanted to be Barbie? No, that was the only (laughs) thing I did not want to be. (laughs) That was the only thing I did not want it to be. Unless it was, no. (laughs) Um, See, I wanted to be everything, but for sure, for sure, I wanted to be a mom. That was like the biggest thing. I wanted to be a mom. And so I went to college and everything, Um, but, um, in the middle of school, um, I felt like I didn't, I didn't belong there. And so I had to move to Virginia where I met my husband like a week later after getting to Virginia. Um, and so we got married like six months after meeting each other Wow! for the first time. Yeah. It was very fast. Our courtship was super fast. And so, yeah, we got married in August and right away I wanted to be a mom so much that I almost calculated <laughs> my wedding between, you know, having babies right away. <laughs> you were my husband, your ovulation schedule, everything, everything, <laughs> even though I was irregular at that time, but I wanted to do everything <laughs> to be a mom right away. And I was only 18. I got married very, very early. Um, I graduated high school early too. So makes sense. Um, but my husband was not ready to be a dad. He, he was very, um, he had a lot of anxiety with like money and, um, 
being able to provide for the family. And we live in Virginia, Norton, Virginia, which is a little bit more expensive, um, very close to DC. And we were living in a basement. Um, so yeah, he was, he was not ready. So he kind of made it difficult for me to be a mom right away, but he trusted and probably like three, four months into the marriage, he said, okay, let's, let's try. Why not? And so we tried and it didn't work very fast, but then, uh, at six months into the marriage, um, I was pregnant. I found out that I was pregnant on Valentine's Day. And it was super, super cute, super sweet the way we, I announced it to him and how we announced it to the family and whatever not. And we were all so excited. It was going to be the first grandkid on my, on my side. So it was going to be the, yeah, my, my mom and dad's first grandkid. So they were very excited. Um, uh, I was making my sister's and for the first time. So it, it was a baby that it was definitely going to be loved. There was no question on there. Um, I was very, very excited. I always wanted to be a boy's mom. Like I wanted to have all boys and just one girl. That was always the dream. Um, <clears throat> so with this pregnancy, just like a lot of first time moms, I I had the nauseas, I had the cravings and oh my gosh, I really thought it was all mental, but (laughs) once you experience it, you know, it's not mental. (laughs) Um, so I had everything appointments. They always went pretty good. Baby was always very healthy, but then, um, once I hit the, I want to say like 18 week, maybe 20, somewhere over there. I started having all of the issues that pregnancy ladies have, like you name it. I had it. I had carpal tunnel. I had the eczema, the really, really bad eczema. I I wouldn't even get out of my house because I looked really bad. My skin was like, I had blisters everywhere in my skin. Um, I had allergies all the time. Um, and it just kind of hit all at once. Yeah. Yeah. So every week it was like something different. Mm. Um, I had this spider allergy thing in my belly where it's like inside allergy, not outside, but it still itches. Um, I was in the hospital a lot after that. Um, and it was the middle of summer too. So it, it was, there was a lot of dehydration too on that pregnancy. Um, my, my playlists were low when I'm, when I'm pregnant, my playlists are always low. Well, you name it. I had it. There you go. Um, and it was funny because every time I would go to the hospital or my doctor's appointment, they would say, well, it's not very common, but it happens in one on five or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, or 5% of women, pregnant women or stuff like that. And so, yeah, it, it was me. That was me. But still, baby always looked healthy and and everything was fine. And I could always feel him kicking and all of those things. Um, uh, 28, almost 29 weeks, um, I was feeling very, very uh, sick. My husband and I were going to the temple, LDS temple in in Washington, D.C. for just a session. And when we were doing the session, I started feeling 
really like the baby was moving a lot like extremely a lot to the point where I almost fainted and so they had to stop the section because I I just couldn't do it and so they had to <laughs> give me snacks and juice in the middle of the temple and I remember um the the temple matron or I don't remember if it was the president one of them or maybe both of them <laughs> came and said we have never delivered a baby in the temple in my watch. So let me know if we have to call an ambulance. I said, no, the baby's just moving a lot. Um, but I'm, I feel great. And so we were able to finish and go back home. That was a Saturday. Um, Sunday, I didn't go to church because my eczema was so terrible. I, I felt judged going to church, which it was very bad. Then Monday, I... I started having some contractions, but as a first time mom, I, I was, I was new to all this. And so I really thought it was Braxton Hicks because that's what everybody said, you know, at 28, 29 weeks, that's pretty normal. And so I thought it was that, and I was not having any other symptoms. There was no bleeding, no spotting, nothing. Um, uh, uh, then Monday night I started feeling contractions harder than normal and so I I got dressed up I prepared a hospital bag I I had my husband um take me to the hospital and we got there probably at like midnight Tuesday and at 2 a.m they told us that our baby didn't have a heartbeat anymore and and that I was that I was supposed to deliver the baby that night at 2 a.m. And so everything was like super fast and shocking because it, it was a baby that was healthy the whole time. Um, the pregnancy itself was hard, the, the weeks leading to that. But but nothing showed like this was going to happen. Right. I can't even imagine the shock. No, it was. Yeah. And, and it was 2 a.m. And all I'm thinking is, what did I do wrong? Like, mm -hmm. where, where did I fail? Like, what happened? I, could I, like, change stuff? Like, could I come to the hospital earlier that day or the day before? Or, like, all of these things just came to my mind. And then, ah, oh, the worst part was once I, I knew that I had to call my mom and that I had to call my dad and that I had to call my sisters and my in-laws and like all of these people that already know that I'm pregnant and that are expecting this baby and that I have already sent gifts and stuff. It's like, how do I tell people that the baby's not coming anymore? And by the way, I forgot it was a boy, mm -hmm. um, which we were so excited. I was excited. I really wanted a boy. Did you find out <clears throat> right then? Or early, did you, you found early. Out early? Yeah, we found okay, So you already knew it was a boy? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, that delivery was, it was hardcore <laughs> for a first time, um, for a first time mom, the doctor had told us because it is your first time, um, it will take at least like 23 hours or so because the baby's not going to help you, you know, in a delivery baby helps, you know, they're pushing and whatever not. And so he was like, because the baby's not alive, it's not going to help you. So it might take even longer. Um, and so I'm, I'm tiny. I barely weighed like 100 and 
15, 120 on that pregnancy by that point. And, um, I, at 2 a.m. they told us the news and by 4 a.m. I had delivered the baby. Um, so it was really fast. I went from two centimeters to eight in nothing. And I even had a seizure, the delivery time. Um, they had to call. You had a seizure? Mm-hmm. I had, they had to call uh, Code Blue. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> um, I had, like, 14 nurses inside the, the, the room and my OB on top of me <laughs> doing some. It's not CPR because he didn't have to. It was more like chest compressions type thing. Mm. Um, and another nurse taking my bra out and another one putting oxygen and and then at the same time, they were delivering the baby. And for me, it just felt like I was taking a nap. Um, but my my mom and my husband say it was like the longest five minutes for them. My husband was like beside me crying, saying, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And my mom barely could even be in the room. And she said that she had to go to the hallway and just kneel down and pray because... I'm, I'm the oldest daughter, so I'm the favorite. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was baby number one. <laughs> um, we call him Aiden. It was a nice funeral service. We, we had family over there. We had a lot of support. Um, one thing I, I have loved about our experience um, was that I never felt alone. Um, my husband was always there with me. And I even, I even mentioned, I remember mentioning, um, to my mother-in-law why so many couples get divorced or don't know how to reconnect after a trial like this, because true, my body went through a lot. Um, but my husband did too, you know, maybe not physically, but emotionally, I have never seen my husband cry. Um, to this day, I think that's like the only time I had seen my husband cry. Maybe one more time, but, but yeah, it was, it was such an emotional, uh, thing. It definitely made us grow closer, um, in our marriage for sure. And we were only married for like, uh, 11 months at that point. Yeah. Anyways, after that, I I had four more miscarriages, late miscarriages, um, all of them at between 14 weeks and 16 weeks. Yeah, so I had four more. Um, so 14 weeks. So you didn't ever have a miscarriage earlier than 14 weeks? Before that, no. Wow. Mm-hmm. So all of them have been late miscarriages. Um, and then, then we moved to Utah after our last miscarriage in Virginia at 16 weeks exactly, uh, which by the way, all of them, I had to deliver at hospital cause they were already big enough. Um, and with all of them, I had to have epidurals because, oh, okay. So yeah, my first one, Aiden, um, it was a placenta abruption. That's mm-hmm. what happened. And so some of the symptoms for placenta abruption is a lot of bleeding and contractions, heavy contractions, which I didn't have. I had more like Braxton Hicks and 
um, I didn't have any bleeding at all. And that happens only in like 5% of women. <laughs> That's me. And usually it's more common with smokers and drinkers and I'm not. <laughs> so that was one reason why it was so difficult to even guess that that was going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit more psych- uh, back um, when... I always believe that when we were at the temple, that's when baby Aiden um, just left um, his body because that's that's like a reassurance for me that, you mm-hmm. know, families can be together forever and stuff like that. Anyways, um, so yeah, with the next couple mis- late miscarriages, I had to have epidural um, and DNC. So yeah, with, with those other late miscarriages I had epidurals and I had DNCs done because my placenta will not come (laughs) so I never had placenta previa again uh the opposite the placenta would just stay attached Mm. and so I had to add DNCs because they would wait as long as they could the longest they waited after the baby was out was like 12 hours with the placenta inside and it could be very dangerous because it's an organ that gets mm-hmm. it. It just won't grow anymore once the baby's out, you know. So, anyways, um, so, so I, it attaches to your uterus. Yeah, and so it it wouldn't it wouldn't detach mm-hmm. after the baby will okay would come out. So that's why I had to add DNC and go to the hospital and do all those things. Which meant that we always had to pay for, like, a normal delivery. Oh, my gosh. But no babies. Oh, my god. So, goodness. we had lots and lots. By this point, we had lots and lots of deaths for five babies that we didn't even have with us. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, after that miscarriage at 16 weeks, we decided to move to Utah. And how far apart were all these miscarriages? Like, were you getting pregnant, like, one after another? Yeah, we we were definitely, we just kept trying. I mean, in between them, I had a few part-time jobs, and I would try to do something else with my life. (laughs) I mean, one thing that I I never liked about this, it was people's comments on, well, maybe if you just forget about a baby, you would actually have a baby, you know, or or you're too young or you at least you can get pregnant all of these things but what people don't know is how can you tell somebody to stop stop thinking about their biggest dreams mm-hmm. you know and so for me it was being a mom mm-hmm. and so i could not stop thinking about it and so yes i would i would get pregnant as fast as i could i would probably wait for my body to rest one or two periods and then I would just try to get pregnant because another thing is after you have miscarriages you are more fertile too and so it was easier to get pregnant and I'm so glad I did it because <clears throat> when I was 23 um I found out that I barely had any more eggs and it was so funny because people would just say oh you're too young still and I was like I'm 23 and I barely have eggs. Right. What do you want me to wait? I would have waited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I wait till I'm 30 or 36 or whatever, how many eggs am I going to have? So I was glad that I kept trying because I might not have those babies, but 
in my heart, I do have experiences and it mm-hmm. has led me where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So after all this, mis- those miscarriages in Virginia, I, we moved, came to Utah. we moved to Utah. So that, that was five miscarriages, five miscarriages over there. Okay. Well, stillborn and then four miscarriages. Yeah. Okay. Because after 20 weeks, they're called stillborn. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so then you moved to Utah because they had a really good fertility treatment. Center. Yes, exactly. And so we were going to try a new method of uh, gestational carrier, which is almost like surrogacy. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that, except it will be my eggs and my husband's sperm. Mm-hmm. And so it will all biologically be right, ours. All you, yeah. yeah, all ours. But somebody else will be carrying it. Mm-hmm. And so my sister, my younger sister, was going to carry our baby for us. And she lived in Utah at the time. And so even though we had just bought our first home in Virginia, um, and we were only there for like nine months, my husband said, we are moving to Utah. And usually my husband doesn't like say big things like that, like choices like that. And he had a good job over there. I had a good job. Um, so we were making good money over there. We were, we were stable over there and it was just the two of us. So let's be honest. I didn't even have to cook. We could just go eat outside (laughs) every single day. Um, so we were good except we didn't have kids, but he said, we're moving to Utah. And I said, no, we're not. I told you when we were engaged, never, never, we're never moving to Utah. (laughs) And he's like, we're moving to Utah because if your sister's going to carry my baby, I have to be part of it. When our babies are inside of you, I'm barely there in the process. If she's carrying it across country, I, I'm definitely not going to be there. And I want the baby to at least know my voice. So we're moving to Utah. And I was like, shoot. And we're moving to Utah. <laughs> In the meantime, we had a, we had already started working with a foster uh, private company to do fostering for kids, and we adopted a cat, which I have never, <laughs> I never thought I was going to have cats, but we adopted a cat <laughs> just a month before moving to Utah. So we drove across the country with the cat, and we got here to Utah, and. We got to the fertility doctor. My sister was there. My brother-in-law was there. Um, and unfortunately, even though we had already moved and everything, um, our fertility doctor said that my sister was not a good match because she has her own fertility fertility problems. And so the doctor didn't think she was a good match. And so um, we didn't want to try with anybody else because we were, we were just new in Utah. We didn't know anybody else and we didn't have the money to get a private person for that or a private woman for that so um we decided well we were supposed to move to utah we moved to utah so now we're here so let's suck it up (laughs) um so we started the fostering process in utah and this one was with the state so, so not, did you not work with any fertility treatments after after your sister wasn't able to be a surrogate? Either? No, we kind of just, yeah, we just let it behind. Um, yeah, you didn't decide to spend money on no, we didn't for anything. Mm-mm, no, and we, <laughs> looking back, we could have done it even with a private line. We probably should have done it because we were 
financially stable at that point. We were not even paying rent. We had just moved to my in-law's house um, that they've been renting for years. And all we had to do was fix that house and we were rent-free. So we could have done it, but I guess Heavenly Father didn't want that for us. And so we we didn't pursue that mm-hmm. that area. Anyway, so we moved to Utah. Um, we started looking into fostering. Started looking into fostering. And at the same time, we decided to try getting pregnant again. And what inspired fostering? Um, oh, man, that's another beautiful story. <laughs> um, that's something I, you guys had, already t- has, had always talked about wanting to do, right? I I had always told my husband that I wanted to do fostering. So when my, when my mom... Um, She's a convert in the church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When she got baptized, my grandmother and her family um, kind of rejected her. She, They didn't want to know about her or the church. And so my mom chose the church. And so she was, they didn't talk to her for a while. And so in the meantime, the bishop and his wife kind of took my mom and us, we were very young. I was only like four or five. So my sisters were probably three, one. So we were babies in nursery still ish. And so the bishop and his wife took my mom and we would just go to their house every weekend. They would take care of us when my mom went to work. She's a, she was a single mom. Um, and she did foster. She, she adopted her kids. So the bishop's wife did fostering and adoption and she had all her kids through that. And so, um, growing up, we call her grandma in Spanish. So Mm -hmm. Abba. And, and so to this day, she has always been my, my mentor on that side of fostering. And, and when I got married, I told Jason, my husband, I want to do fostering because I have seen how Abba does it and she's amazing and I want to be like her when I grow up. And so that's the reason why we did fostering. I always wanted to do that. Um, I loved how she did it and she has always been such a big support in my life. And when I got married super young, she was, she was there for me and Jason. This is the end of part one. Thank you for listening for part two. Stay tuned, and next week that one will be uploaded so that you can listen to the rest of her amazing story. We're so grateful for having Kyra on the podcast and look forward to tuning in next week.